Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today, as you can see from the episode title, we got a big one. The Dinger. A.J. Allmendinger is our guest this week on the show. Discussed his Push to the playoffs with six races to go. Obviously, we're looking at road courses as a potential avenue for him and the 16 team to get that win and get there. Ask him about his chances and his thoughts on the remaining six races, those two road courses included, and a whole lot more, including him becoming a new father to a human being, that is. Uh, his wife, Tara, as of this recording, is about 38 weeks pregnant. She's ready to pop. So we had some conversation about what it's going to be like to be a Papa. We're also going to chat a bit about New Hampshire Motor Speedway, the race we saw there this past weekend with Martin Truex Jr. absolutely taking him to the woodshed and putting a good old MTJ butt whooping on the field. And we, of course, will look ahead and preview Pocono Raceway, the tricky triangle. AJ will help us do that, and I will do it with you as well. Before we do any of that, though, we got to throw it over to Papa Siegel and Mama Siegel with this week's Wayback segment for the number 93. What have you got cooked up for us this week? Thank you, Duve, and welcome everybody to episode 193. Last time through the numbers, we mentioned Dave Blaney in that cool Amico livery for car owner Bill Davis. We also recalled Ted Chamberlain, who had 14 top 10 finishes out of a total of only 56 races he ran during the 1950s. One of those races was at Dayton Speedway in 1952 when his steering wheel broke off and he had to pilot the car using the steering hub. So much for today's weenies who complain when they lose their power steering, huh? Today, we venture across the pond for a look at the 109th running of the Tour de France. Before you say anything, Duve, the third stage of this year's race was a 193-kilometer ride, won by Belgian Jasper Philipsen. Philipsen has won four sprint stages of this year's tour so far and is the favorite to win the final stage down the Champs-Élysées, as well as to take home the green jersey for best sprinter. The real fireworks this year have come at the front of the peloton, where last year's champ Jonas Vingago leads Slovenian champ Tade Pogacar by a minute and a half heading into the last week. Also of interest has been the King of the Mountains competition, Davy's favorite for its polka dot jersey. American Nielsen Palace has been in and out of the polka dots and still has a shot to bring that one home depending on the next few days where big points will be available in the Alps to the man who can dig deepest into his suitcase of courage. Mama Siegel will be happy to hear that this year's race ends on Sunday in Paris. Kachiga! 
The Tour is certainly the greatest of the three Grand Tour cycling races held each year. For your pop quiz today, Duve, what are the other two Grand Tour races, and in what order are they run? That's all for this week. Back to you, my boy. All right, thank you for the quiz, Father. Um, full disclosure, I texted my dad back after he sent me this week's Wayback segment, and I got one of the two answers correct. I said Spain, which was correct, and I didn't know the other one. I think I just guessed like Slovenia or Slovakia. I don't know, something like that. I tried to guess some random European country. I was incorrect. But my dad, uh, as he does, a cycling enthusiast, responded. It is the Giro d'Italia, Tour de France, of course, and the Vuelta de España. So again, that's the Giro d'Italia in Italy, Tour de France in France, and Vuelta de España in Spain. So that's the big three right there. Italy, France, and Spain. Great cuisine in all three. Great people. Great places to see. I've been to uh, two of those countries. Hoping to go to Spain at some point in my life. Uh, anyway, thank you, Dad, for the Wayback segment. And thank you, Mama, for the gachigas as well. Let's start off this episode as we always do. And that is with a good old-fashioned... <laughs> and throw it straight over to my interview with the dinger. A.J. Allmendinger, he's our guest this week on Victory Lane. Chatted about a whole lot of things as it pertains to him this season, working with Matt Swiderski for a full-time season. And you guys may have heard in the past, A.J. was very adamant. He was only going to return to racing on a full-time basis if it was the right situation for him. Well, what made this the right situation to come back in 2023? He's going to tell you himself, his chances of making the playoffs in the next six races, and what the future may look like for him at College Racing. And of course, got into some fun things, a lot on the personal side as it pertains to Tara, his lovely, beautiful wife, a new feline friend in the Almendinger household, and also the golf game and pickleball game of one AJ Almendinger. AJ is one of the best man, love chatting with him, and this conversation was no different. So I'll get out the way and let you hear my chat with the Dinger right here on Victory Lane. Pleasure to welcome on to the show today, driver of the 16 Colleg Racing Chevrolet in the NASCAR Cup Series, fighting tooth and nail for a playoff spot, my friend. It is AJ Allmendinger. How are you on this fine Thursday, my friend? I'm good, man. Just, uh, you know, kind of relaxing a little bit today. And as, you know, I told you off air, if there's some noise, we got a lot of housework going on. Got a lot of, a few things happening in the Allmendinger household now, so... Everything's good, though. Yeah, so besides the fact that you're about to be a dad to a human being soon, uh, you got to get the house yeah. in tip-top shape. So even though even though the racing season is in full effect, so is the house renovation season. Well, you know, we decided this was a perfect year to do all this. You know, full-time cup racing, one-off mm -hmm. weekend. We thought, you know what, why don't we just put everything off until this year? And so now it's all happening. Of course. Great timing, right? Yeah, of course. So we're sitting here, we're heading into Pocono Raceway this weekend. Six races left in the regular season. Friend to friend, how are we feeling? What are the vibes? Uh, you know, I feel really good, man. You know, it, this is uh, the, the last, I would say, couple months of the season have been a lot better. You know, the beginning of the year was uh, a lot of really, honestly, just a huge struggle. A lot more than I expected. You know, we kind of ended last year with... Uh, a good amount of speed, and I think it's part of the reason why we all made the decision kind of move forward on, on the cup side of it at least. Um, but, you know, you give a you give all these big, strong race teams a, a whole offseason to work on a new race car, 
Uh, they get better, and, and uh, you know, to be quite honestly, we're probably a good bit behind at the beginning of the year. So I feel like the last couple of months have been pretty solid, kind of more what I expected. I'd say really the only race that was disappointing over the last couple of months was, was Chicago. We just completely missed the setup of that race, and then the way the strategy and everything just played out, um, just kind of a disappointing finish there. But um, been fairly happy with the last couple of months. So, you know, us on the outside, we think of you and not just winning on ovals, which you have in NASCAR, but we think of road courses. So you got Indianapolis and Watkins Glen coming up in the next six in terms of to end the regular season. We look at those two and a lot of people associate your name with those racetracks in terms of you potentially getting a win there. But for you, the six races in totality, you throw in Michigan, Richmond, Pocono and Daytona. How do you handicap the last six races of the regular season for you and the 16 team? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the the road courses are, are you know, we look at those as, as potentials to try to win, um, but it's hard to win, right? I mean, it is super hard to win in, in the Cup Series. I mean, I have – I love that everybody associates my name with it, but I have two wins in the Cup Series, right? Like, it's not like I've, I've won 10 of them. So, um, it's it's hard, and, and we're still a second-year race team. So, whether it's speed or execution or everything that goes along with it, I mean, it's it's tough to win those races, and now we got guys like Shane and uh, all the uh, all the road course people now that are coming in for Indy. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough challenge, but I look at the the opportunity to make the playoffs. You know, it's really these next three races: Pocono, I didn't race last year in the Cup Series, nor Michigan, and Richmond. We've struggled at, so it's one of those things that if we can go out there and have three solid weekends, and then we get Indy and Watkins Glen, and then you go to Daytona, like we have a really good shot to make the playoffs. So I think my focus is more on these next three weekends. Do you change how you approach the next six weeks, or I guess in specifically the next three, just because that's what you're eyeing, based on what the other guys around you in terms of the point standings do? Are you looking at it as a scenario where you may be able to point your way in, or are you just all about winning at the moment? No, I think we can still point our way in. You know, I mean, I, I it's – I think it's, you know, I still look at somebody like Chase Elliott. You really expect him to win a race over the next six. Um, but that that's not saying that he, he will. So, you know, I think we can point our way in. I don't change my approach at all about it. You know, my ultimate goal is still, of course, to win the race, but still try to get the best finish possible. You know, I think the only thing that may change is you take this weekend, for instance, at Pocono, you know, maybe – if we're running 11th or 12th or 13th at the end of a stage and you see uh, the leaders start to pit, just trying to get that, get that track position before the next stage, maybe we stay out to get those points, you know? I mean, so I think that's what we look at for how these races are going to go. But at the end of the day, I don't change my approach. My, my goal, no matter if we're going for playoff spot or we're trying to win the race or just, we're trying to get the best finish possible, right? I mean, that's what we're trying to do at each weekend and trying to not make any mistakes. And, you know, I still feel like if, if we go out there and run well, like the points take care of themselves. So the the playoffs are, are really not even on my mind. It's about trying to run the best that we can each weekend. How's uh, been working with Matt Swiderski on a full-time basis this year? I know you guys obviously had a history the past year or so, but working with him every single week, every weekend, how's it been working with him? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy, you know, his nickname's Squid. I'm not really sure why. I think, you know, he, he's told me once in the past, but that just went 
one ear out the other. But his nickname is Squid. So uh, I, I really enjoy working with him. You know, he he's really smart. Uh, he's very technical. Um, you know, I think that when it comes to full-time cup crew chiefing, you know, this is really only his second year. And, and you know, we're – you know, we, we have our ups and downs together, but what I love about him is the fact that, you know, whether it's a good weekend or bad, you know, or whether I'm frustrated or he's frustrated or anything like that, like it doesn't, it doesn't get in between us. We can look at each other at the end of the race and break it down and then refocus for the next weekend. So I love working with him. And, you know, I think uh, the year has shown that we're getting stronger kind of each weekend together. You know, it's easy in a sense last year where, uh, you know, he, of course he was a full full-time crew chief, but I'm picking and choosing the races that I want to race. Right. So you can really prepare for those. Um, it, it's, it's different than when you're having to do it every weekend, good or bad racetrack. So I like what we got going, but I really believe as the year goes on, we're just going to keep getting better together. You mentioned, you know, last year you were kind of picking and choosing you, Chris, Matt, everybody was kind of figuring out where you wanted to put your resources and your focus for each specific weekend. And you were very clear for a couple of years, right? I mean, even when you thought that TV was going to be the future for you, that you wanted to come back on a full-time basis in the Cup Series only if it felt right and if it was going to be the right scenario. You wanted all your ducks in a row, as a smart man does, right, to, to make sure that that could happen. Now that you're into the season, what, almost 20-plus races or so, do you feel like things are going the right direction, and do you feel like things are where they need to be in terms of you enjoying yourself as a full-time cup driver again? I felt like, you know, the, the first couple of months were tough. It, it was – we just – it seemed like the races that we were okay at, like we'd get taken out in or something would happen, and we, we you didn't get that ultimate finish to at least – get on the airplane and make yourself feel better. And then we had a lot of weekends that we just didn't have the speed. Um, so that was, that was tough to begin the year, but what makes it a lot easier is, is all the men and women at college racing, but especially Matt and Chris, because they, we went into this with the, with the mindset. I mean, they were really all about like, we don't want this to stress you out anymore. Like that. That's not, we don't need to do that. They know how competitive I am. I've always said, that the moment I get out of a race car and we have a bad race and I just kind of shrug my shoulders and go, ah, oh, it's okay. I'll just go to the next one or it doesn't matter. That's the day I need to stop. I care about it. And I probably honestly, Davey, care more about it than ever just because I've been with this race team for so long now that it's, you know, I have no ownership in it, right? But like, I, I feel like I'm a part of it, trying to build it. I want it to be strong with me in it. I want it to be strong whenever, stronger when I'm done. So I, I'm always going to care. And when we struggle, I'm always going to put it on my shoulders. But, you know, they allow me to to have that frustration. But then they also have the trust in me and the trust in each other to say, OK, that's over now. Let's go play golf. Let's go relax, whatever we're going to do. And that makes it a lot more enjoyable. And so I know that the Cup Series is always going to be ups and downs, especially when we're an organization like we are trying to grow. Um, so to be quite honest, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with it. You know, it's always better when you run well, but at the end of the day, I'm enjoying it and it's, I I'm happy with the decision I made. But with that said, I've always said that Matt and Chris, whatever they want me to do, you know, I'll, I'll, that's what I'll do, whether that's next year or years to come. That's what I was going to say. Cause I've heard you say that before. 
And when you've said that in the past, part of me thinks like, all right, well, if he doesn't really want to run full time and they want to put him in the car full time, what's he going to do? Right. But clearly you wouldn't have done it if it wasn't the best spot for you, the best situation for you personally to succeed. It also doesn't hurt that you, Matt, Chris, have this really familial aspect to your relationship at College Racing. And it seemed like all the pieces lined up perfectly for this year, 2023 specifically, to come back full time. So I'm glad you're having fun because that's that's why we do this thing after all. Exactly. And, and you know, for me, it's like that that competitive side. I always want to put myself against the best, you know, and, and I believe in those situations that when it's right, like we can go out there and we can beat the best of the best or we can run with them. And, you know, that that's a big reason of, of why I doing it. Just because like, you know, I always, I joked, I was like, I don't know if it's smart, dumb, senile, crazy, you know, the right decision, but I do believe that. Yeah. All of them. Like I do believe not only just in myself, but knowing how good this race team has the potential to be like, Hey, we can, we can go out there and beat the Hendricks and the Penske's and those maybe not every week right now, but like when we're right, we can go do that. And that's, that's a big reason of why I wanted to, to take on this challenge, but knowing at the same time, like we're going to, we're going to enjoy ourselves. Maybe not in the moment if it's a bad weekend, but we leave and, and we'll be okay. And that's what this, that's what college racing is all about. Like, and I, I, I truly love Matt and Chris, especially because in a way, they they saved my life in in the sense of happiness because you know if i would have just stopped racing at the end of 2018 or just really not done a lot of it after and been fully tv i'd have been okay with my career but i've been like man i wish i could have done this or i wish i could have done that or i didn't i didn't fulfill everything i wanted to i mean we've won i don't know 16 or 17 races together i've won on ovals now i've gotten to kiss the bricks twice like about that. my career if it if it stopped if we did this interview and i just said you know what i'm done right now i'm okay with it now and and it makes me a lot happier so they have saved my happiness in so many ways very profound you should be a philosopher on the side aj damn oh man davy there's a lot of things that run through this head good and bad oh, some man. of it is very has a lot of wisdom and some of it i we can't even talk about so there's there's always a lot going on in here uh, you don't have to tell me twice. I've known you long enough to know that. Um, <laughs> I have a lot more racing stuff I want to get to, but in the limited time I have left with you, let's get into some on-track fun stuff. Um, do I have it right that we have a new feline friend in the Almendinger household lately? We do. So, you know, as and that's part of the, the beginning of the year that was rough. We lost uh-huh. Mr. Tickles right after Daytona. Very sad, very unexpected. Uh, and, and my wife, Tara, you know, we kind of you're never over the grieving period, right? Like animals are just family. Like they don't stay around us long enough, unfortunately. Um, but you know, she was ready for a new kitty. She loves having a kitty, especially her being pregnant. She wants that cat that will lay on her tummy and all that. So we had a lot of fans that kind of reached out, especially to Tara, like, Hey, we got this cat or we found this cat or the finally uh, a fan reached out to her and it just kind of clicked and she saw pictures and so yes, long story short, we got a new we got a new kitty, Chicken Nugget, and Love uh, it. and it, it, it's a girl and Zena and Chicken Nugget, they both are like best friends, so it, it's worked out well. I love that. You mentioned Tara. Um, I think she's what thirty eight weeks pregnant right now. Yep. So she's she's getting ready to pop. Um, my question for you, as the man in her life, did she make you do one of those cheesy but necessary? I will say that. 
uh, maternity photo shoots where you're like caressing her belly and stuff like that. I feel like you would be that would be right up your alley, you know. So we haven't done that. Uh, so we were we were planning on doing that. Weather uh-huh. got in the way. She did her own photos. Uh, I saw but those. we do, but but we do have uh, one more week that we're planning on trying to do it and okay. uh, get it done. But yeah, she doesn't. I love my wife and what's great about her is she knows what I'm willing to do and not do. Exactly. They're not going to be cheesy photos. I can promise we'll do photos, but it won't, it won't be the over the top prom lookalike. Like, Hey, this is my wife pregnant. I'm holding mm-hmm. her belly. So, yeah. So yeah. That's what I'm saying. If, if you're going to do them, which you're capable of, you got to do them right. So I'm glad you got that on the straight and narrow. Yeah. So, um, I know that you have, and we talked about this before, but you and Terry, you've been parents to pets for years and years and years She's basically been a parent to you for 10 years. So you're the one that we really need to worry about. Tara's all good, but you are the one that I think we need to keep an extra eye on. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, There's a lot of nerves. The only thing that makes me not nervous is the fact that I have Tara and she's going to be amazing at it. Uh, So I'm just going to try to be the cool dad, right? Like, hey... I'm going to give him, give him, give him a golf club right away. Like, this is what's happening. I, you do not be shocked at some point over the next couple of months. If you see me swinging and, and he's attached to my chest and yeah. I've already got the club ready, like full dad. Yeah. mode. Yeah. Speaking of golf, how's the golf game treating you lately? Golf game in the last couple of weeks is on an upward trend. So right. I never say it's great because within one swing, it can be really bad. I think, I heard Paul Azinger on a, a, a broadcast one time go, you know, it takes almost a thousand swings to gain full confidence in your golf swing. All it takes is one bad one to lose it. So, yeah. so, so but it has been an upward trend. I did go career low two weeks ago. I shot 72. So wow. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Get him a ticket to the Masters, people. 72. Yeah. That's pretty sporty. I followed her up with another 82 right after that, but okay. yeah, 72. It's career low. Wow. Keep that trend going. Um, I heard Denny was talking on his podcast that at New Hampshire uh, to pass some of the time on Saturday in the rain. There was a lot of pickleball being played. Did you partake in the pickleball? Uh, no, I watched it all go down. It was, uh, <laughs> I think, I, I said, uh, I, I give the award for most games played. It had to be Todd Gillen because my bus was literally parked where I could look straight across to the pickleball and Todd's like seven foot three. So yeah. you could definitely see him playing. So he won the most games. I thought about it, but I was like, yeah, the last thing I need to do is go twist an ankle. And uh, so I, I stayed out of that. Yeah. I feel like um, I don't know enough about pickleball to know if, if you're better, if you're taller or shorter, I wish you would have played so we could have found out. Yeah, I think it's, so I think it, like I played pickleball a little bit like doubles. You don't have to move around a ton. No. So I think, I think being tall is probably good there because you got long arms. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure you'd have to get to Danny cause he, he was probably out there enough to know like who won most of the matches. He said it was him and Blaney when they were together, they were a pretty unstoppable force. So he, he made sure he put himself in there as, as the winner. That's yes. shocking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd I'd pay some good money to watch NASCAR Cup drivers play pickleball tournament on pay per view. Just saying, you got my money. Yeah, yeah. You might as well put a cage around it too, so when they get mad at each other, they just go right to the cage match. Fine by me. I'm down. I got my money on you if that there happens. 
Hey, you know, it's a, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm a, I'm like a pit bull, right? Like a little, little, or, you know, I, I come at it and like, not always big, but you know, Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. That's right. That's right. A uh, couple more quick things. I know you talked to Brad yesterday on, on Speedway about a potential contingency plan. Should uh baby Almendinger come at an inopportune time as it pertains to your professional life? Can you refresh us here? What's the plan if the baby comes when it's race day or it's race time? Well, I won't, I won't get into full detail. We do have a plan though. And, uh, right. right now Tara is due just after Michigan. So we're, we're putting fingers crossed that we don't have to put this uh, you know, the, the really just the plan in general yeah. and what we have figured out like in the works. So baby Almendinger is going to be a good boy and, and he's going to be born in between Michigan and Indy. Will it get into existence? I love it. Uh, let's end with a racing question. As we mentioned, we're going to Pocono this weekend. What makes the tricky triangle so tricky for you, AJ? Uh, you know, honestly, it's it especially so. I didn't, I haven't run it in this car, but just mm -hmm. running it on sim, uh, the the tunnel turn. It's so bumpy now, and these cars are so like rigid and stiff. Uh, to me that that's going to be the biggest challenge is trying to get your balance right because you're you're going to want to be tight enough in that corner that when you hit those bumps it just doesn't step out because these cars since there's no real yaw to them like and that's what we see when they step out you crash so uh i, I think trying to get the car balanced through there and by doing that not be overly tight through one and three is is going to be the tough challenge to me um, but it's really just trying to get, you're not happy in all three. You're not loving all three corners. You're just trying to be semi happy in all three corners. And we know, listen to your radio. You're always happy hundred percent of the time, aren't you? I'm nothing but happiness. <laughs> it is just, just rays of sunshine and just pure joy off my radio. Every race. I mean, when you popped onto the zoom screen, the sun rose behind me. It's just, it knows you're here. It, sunshine it, and it happiness. Really, it really did. So, I mean, that's, if you ask Skyler and you ask my team and you ask everybody, it's just nothing but joy all the time around me. 100%. Tara says the same thing, too, after you pass her a $20 bill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, I didn't I didn't say I didn't have to pay these people to, uh, to be happy around me, but they're still happy. It's fair. Well, I appreciate you carving out a lot of time for me here. I know it's a busy time of year for you. It's a busy week on the personal front, on the professional front. A lot going on at College Racing, so appreciate the time here today. Good luck this weekend. We'll see you there, and I'll give Tara my best. I appreciate it, man. She always, uh, when I said I was doing an interview with you, she just said, oh, frick. <laughs> we'll tell her to have a great freaking day. <laughs> and we are back. Thank you to Skylar Kays of College Racing for helping coordinate that conversation. I was trying to get it on the calendar between both of us and AJ for while because as we know AJ is a hard man to pin down these days but thank you to Skyler for sticking on AJ staying with me and making that happen so looking forward to working with you in the future Skyler and AJ thank you as well for listening my friend I hope you had yourself a great freaking day I love the fact that AJ and Tara both love my TikToks I I had never even met Tara and I saw her at the racetrack one time and um AJ told me that his wife liked him so I went over and introduced myself like, hey, Tara, I'm Davey. Nice to meet you. And then she gave me a big hug. She's like, oh, my God, love your TikToks. I was like, you are Miss North Carolina. You should not be talking to somebody like me, how I look. 
anyways, uh, she's great people. AJ's great people. Appreciate them being a fan, I guess. Uh, and I appreciate AJ's time. All right. Let's chit chat about New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Now you look on paper, you say MTJ whooped them again, led over 200 over the 301 laps again, finally gets an elusive win at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, a track that he had not won at ever in his NASCAR Cup Series career. 30th start was the charm for him. But I got to say, low-key good race. I say low-key because, you know, you're watching it, you think about it on the surface, you're like, well, it wasn't really that competitive. Martin dominated the whole thing. True. But if you look deeper below the surface, comers and goers, you had those. Tire fall off, you had that. Differing strategy, you certainly had that. And dry weather, albeit a day late, you had that. I thought it was good. Um, the third or fourth lane even came into play at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, which you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I had ever seen that specific lane come into play the way that it did and how often and well that it did. I mean, even Kevin Harvick was saying that he should have ran the fourth or fifth lane on one of the last couple restarts to try to get his way back up towards the front. When you hear a veteran like Kevin Harvick, who's had a lot of success at New Hampshire, talking about running the fourth or fifth lane, that is when you know that this track has gone through a bit of a transformation. I think the car obviously has something to do with that. But I really liked what I saw, uh, low-key, because a lot of people don't really think that it was that great of a race. It wasn't a barn burner, I'll give you that. But it was not bad either. I, I thoroughly enjoyed what I saw. And it was really cool to see Martin, you know, not get emotional about the win, but show some emotion positively. The fact that he finally got the monkey off his back, finally won a race, finally did it at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, a track that he grew up going to. And he was even introspective after the race, talking about whether or not this is going to be his final year or if he wants to come back next year and the impending potential retirement. We got a lot of insight into Martin's mindset that we haven't really seen or heard from him in the past. And I think that begs the question, what is he going to do next year? You guys can let me know what you think. Tweet me on Twitter at Davy Center. You can thread me as well at Davy Siegel. Find me on TikTok, Facebook, IG, everywhere. You know where to find me by now. But I'm curious what you guys think. I mean, only Martin knows the answer, right? I'm sure he'd like to give Joe Gibbs an answer before too long so they can figure out what their plan is for next year get their ducks in a row I'm sure he would kind of like to have that figured out as well but he was talking to Bob Pockers I believe in the media center and after he talked to our Claire B Lang basically saying like I'm not good at big decisions I've been toying with the idea of buying a boat for like five years haven't done it but I'm gonna do it this week who knows if he did uh right so I'm interested to see how he handles this big decision because last year obviously was a big decision figuring out whether or not to come back. And he pointed to his race team. It's not just James Small. It's not just Jazzy. It's the pit crew. It's the road crew. It's the shop crew. It's the sponsors. It's everybody involved in making the 19 car go fast around in circles or road courses on Sundays. And it's not just as simple as saying, eh, I'll decide when I feel like it. Because this is a business. People do this to make money. You got to have these decisions ironed out right? He's aware of that, but it doesn't make it any easier. So we'll definitely be watching what happens with Martin Truex Jr. down the road as it pertains to silly season. And speaking of silly season, uh, we just talked to AJ Allmendinger of Collard Racing. Uh, right around the time when we were recording with AJ, news broke that Justin Haley is actually going to be leaving Collard Racing at season's end, and he will be joining Rick Ware Racing 
in 2024. Did not really see it coming. Justin was on our air. He was, we were kind of the first ones to have him and basically said, I'm proud that I was able to keep it this quiet. And on paper, you may look at this and say, well, it's kind of a downgrade, right? Colleague is kind of a B or C level tier team. And Rick Ware Racing, sure, they're improving. They're, they have that alliance with RFK Racing and they're getting a little bit more support from Ford Performance, but they are a D or E, F tier team at the moment. I mean, just basically when you look at the results, the speed, where they're at in terms of the point standings, they're not up to snuff with a Colleague Racing. But, you know, you never know what's going on beneath the surface and what Justin's mindset is in terms of longevity. I know he said that this kind of provides him a very long runway in NASCAR's Cup Series at the top level, whereas Colleague Racing presumably could not guarantee him that. So whatever his decision-making process was, it led him to this one. On paper, again, you have to say this is probably a downgrade, but you may have been saying that last year about Kyle Busch. Look what he's doing now, right? I know that those are apples to oranges, those two comparisons. But still, interesting move for Justin Haley. Definitely going to see him in the Cup Series for a long, long time to come. I still think and he's one of the more underrated prospects in NASCAR right now, and I don't even know if you can call him a prospect anymore because he's in the Cup Series, and he's been in the Cup Series for a couple of years, and he's won in the Cup Series, right? But he is definitely going to make Rick Ware Racing better. No question about that. I think he'll make them better. They'll make him better as they continue to grow, and I'll keep an eye on that alliance with RFK Racing. That's the thing that I think may be the deciding factor in terms of how good Rick Ware Racing as an organization gets and how quickly that progress comes. I'll be keeping my eye on that. Also, he's back, party people. SVG. I can't wait. Shane Van Gisbergen. Yes, that's how you say his name. It's not that freaking hard. Jeez. Uh, uh, he's coming back for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course for Project 91. Justin Marks, he was pretty adamant. We're not going to run another Project 91 race this year. This is all we have planned. We're done. Well, not so fast, right? I, I think he even said that after Shane won the race. Uh, I'm assuming here. Sponsor said, hey, let's run it back. Shane probably was a bit eager to run it back too. And Justin said, hey, man, this guy's one for one. Why don't we see what he can do a second time? So he will be back at Indianapolis. Brody Kostecki, he is also in the top four in the Supercars point standings down under. He's going to be racing for RCR in the 33 Chevrolet. So that's two Aussies slash Kiwis that are going to be running in the Indianapolis road course race. In addition to Jensen Button for Rick Ware Racing and Kamui Kobayashi for 2311 Racing. Uh, Project 67, as I'm kind of de facto calling it. That's going to be fun to see Kamui get his feet wet in a NASCAR stock car. So I know Coda was pretty stacked. You had, I think it was, what, Kimi Raikkonen, Jordan Taylor. Um, I'm forgetting a couple right now. You had Jensen Button in there. Um, and there may have been one other international driver with some flair. Indianapolis is shaping up to be pretty damn cool too. SVG, Kostecki, Kamui, and Jensen. That, my friends, is a stacked lineup. And we got a stacked quadruple weekend of action out at Pocono Raceway this weekend. The Tricky Triangle is your home to the Arkham Menard Series, Craftsman Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and of course, the Cup Series on Sunday in the High Point 400. Looking forward to getting out there. Haven't been to the racetrack in a while, I feel like. Uh, that might not even be true. I, I may have been there 
sooner than I thought, but feels like I haven't been there for a while. So I'm excited to get back out there. May go up in Baggy's turn position out in the tunnel turn and see some action from out there. So if you're going to be on the grounds of Pocono this weekend, stop me, say, hey, say what's up. And if you listen to the podcast, you have my word. I will give you a hug. Whether or not you want it, that's up to you. But I will give you a hug if you say, hey, I listened to the podcast. Where's my hug? I'm going to give you a big one no matter who you are. So uh, come find me. Come say hi. And I look forward to seeing all y'all out at Pocono this weekend. And that'll wrap things up for episode 193 of Victory Lane 2.0. Bit of a shorter one this week in terms of what we're used to. But that's because AJ has a busy schedule. Wanted to respect that. And uh, had to let him run after 20, 25 minutes, which is a lot of time to get a Cup Series driver for, by the way, in this day and age. I'd love to have him on for like a longer form conversation to get into his background and sports cars, champ cars, open wheel, Indian 500s, right? That'd be cool to chat with him about, but I'll save that for a different conversation and a different day. Hope you guys enjoy the racing action from Pocono this weekend. And if you like what you heard here today, tell me in person, but more importantly... <laughs> Uh, leave a rating and a review. You can do that on Apple, SoundCloud, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. We should be available there for your consumption. And if we're not, please, please, please drop me a line and I will try to rectify that issue for you. Thanks for tuning in this week and every week. I appreciate you. I appreciate your support. And I'll chat with you right here next week in the place everybody wants to be, Victory Lane. <laughs>